It's time for episode 335 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, February 26th, 2020. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that takes up 148th of your day. I'm Dan Morin, and I am joined, as always, across this internet of ours by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Micah Sargent. How are you doing today, Micah? Doing well. I am curious about your math there. Is that uh, given to sunrise, sunset? Are we looking at uh, sort of the whole 24-hour period? I was saying 24, 24 hours. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. That seems, gotcha. Good. that seems good. I'm no I'm no mathologist. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but I may be no mathologist, but I can tell you that we have with us today two fantastic <gasps> guests. Ha, 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 ha. Math. To my left, it is a writer, a photographer, and coincidentally, the author of Take Control of Digital Photos. It's Jeff Carlson. Welcome back, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for keeping me away from the math. Uh, a pleasure. A pleasure as always. You know, I just thought of a shirt that just says, do math, not meth, and I think I have to have it made. Um, (laughs) But while I'm working on that, before I work on that, I am so excited to introduce the guest to my left. It is the web editor and producer at the Texas Standard, as well as the author of iOS Access for All and a podcast host right here on Relay for Parallel Pods. It is Shelly Brisbane. Hello, Shelly. Hello, Micah. Thanks for taking time out from your t-shirt business to have me on the show. <laughs> so happy to have you. Here. I will note that parallel is a math term as well. So we're really ah, mathing so it, it up today. We're doing it. Wow. We, we don't do any math during parallel. Good, good. I just want people or to know math. that because I want <laughs> them to keep right. listening. Or math. No. That's good. Very safe. Uh, all right. Let me kick things off today with my topic. There was a story in the past week that the European Union may mandate a universal charging port for smartphones, which in this case would be USB-C. My question is, do you want USB-C on an iPhone? Should Apple be forced to make an iPhone with USB-C? Do you think this is a good idea or is it just a little too much government intervention? Jeff, what do you think? I think this sounds like a great idea if you sit in meetings all day and you have a team of people who handle your technology. Uh, otherwise, I think basically like the people who are trying to, to make this happen. Um, USB-C on the iPhone, I think it's actually inevitable. It has benefits. It's already on the iPad. But uh, Apple shouldn't be forced to make one. Um, I haven't really read up a lot of the detail behind this, but it sounds as much like a bunch of companies trying to handicap Apple as it is trying to make everything better for everybody. I, uh, in reading up about this, so uh, originally I had covered this on my show iOS Today, and the original reporting seemed to suggest that the EU was mandating uh, the charger, the port on the side of the phone, not the port on the side of the actual in-wall charger. Then it came around that the mandate was about the in-wall charger, and now it's come around that there's a proposal suggesting that there are multiple options that these different uh, folks can do, the different manufacturers can do. So the EU has sort of laid out a bunch of different options here. And I think that that is 
that makes it makes me feel less sort of uh, concerned about government overreachy weirdness uh, because there are some different things that folks can do if Apple wants to continue with the the port that they have. I find myself now more than ever having devices that are Lightning and USB-C and everything else in between, struggling to find the right cord when I need it. And if I just had to take a USB-C cord around with me everywhere, I'd be so happy. So yeah, I would love to see USB-C on the iPhone. And if Apple has to be forced to do it to make that happen, then you know what? Shruggy emoji. That's how I feel about it. (laughs) Shelly, what are your thoughts? I feel like that level of abstraction is where the the problem is, because I have to separate how I might personally feel about a USB-C port on my phone so that I don't have to have so many cables and dongles with the method by which the EU or any governing entity mandates it. And all those levels of detail that you listed, Micah, as options, that sounds great. But the more specific the language is in terms of requiring, say, we will now have USB-C. Well, at some point, USB-C won't be the standard. There'll be another standard. Do we have to then uh, appeal to the EU and say, hi, this is no longer kosher. We need something that is a more emerging standard. I think that ends up being the issue. Another issue that's sort of, and I I often forget about it too, even though I write a lot about accessibility, but there are accessories that are used by folks with disabilities, like hearing aids and switches and various things that haven't necessarily kept up with the latest port requirements. And so there are some people who don't use iPhones 11 because the headphone jack is gone, because that's an issue for hearing aid users. And so I think any sort of rules like this need to either force the device makers to provide some sort of donglage for those folks who no longer, whose equipment doesn't support it, or there needs to be some sort of support or subsidy or whatever for companies to bring their technology or their assistive technology in line with whatever the standard is from the phone vendors. Yeah, I think you you kind of hit the nail on the head there, Shelley. Uh, I was thinking of it more like this is like the stars aligning, right? Like right now, USB-C, it's hot, it's new, it's on a lot of devices, not on all devices, but then we will coalesce and everything will have USB-C ports. And then they will drift apart again when the next thing comes along. Because, you know, a decade ago, the, the EU was kind of considering doing this with micro USB ports. And I think we're all glad that they didn't do that because then we've been stuck on those for the last Ugh, 10 years, true. right? So mm-hmm, uh, the issue with, with this being sort of top down, I think, is uh, stuff moves faster than the technology moves faster than the government, just inherently. Like, that's just the way the, the economics market works. So I think that it means the government's either always playing catch up or if they have to design a policy that is flexible enough to account for future changes. And there's certainly some things that lasted a long time as standards. Shelly mentioned the headphone jack. I think it's something as simple as like the, you know, where you plug your phone in, in the wall, right? Like the wall socket hasn't really changed that much. Um, But, you know, that also limits the advances that can happen in those areas. So I think that is the big challenge there. I agree that USB-C is inevitable on the iPhone. I think it will happen uh, and that will be great. Uh, But again, I think (laughs) we're lucky enough that we'll live in an era where maybe we'll briefly have one, you know, cable for everything and then we'll move on again. Uh, Thanks (laughs) for your thoughts on that. Let us go to our second topic today, which comes from Jeff. So I'm curious to know uh, if you use a home security camera, either like an outdoor or an indoor camera, or maybe a video doorbell. There's been a lot of stuff in the news about uh, Ring and their security and how it seems to be a joke. Um, And so does that make you want or not want 
one of these devices? And does Apple's HomeKit secure video make you more or less likely to get one now? Uh, so first of all, uh, Ring Video Doorbell. I will never own one of those. Um, I think that what that company has done in trying to create a surveillance state with police departments across the United States is horrendous and irresponsible. And I don't support that company or its decisions in any way whatsoever. Um, I, I, it's uh, disgusting, frankly. Um, so you're waffling on the issue. Okay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I have no clear opinion on that. HomeKit secure video functionality. It makes me even more uh, likely to want to own more of these cameras because it genuinely is a really great way of using these cameras in general. Um, there are different settings, different granular settings that give you so much control over how the camera works. And then on top of that, because it, with the Logitech Circle camera, when you use the HomeKit Secure video functionality, it basically turns the camera into a HomeKit Secure video camera. It takes the, the Logitech firmware and replaces it with a new version of the Logitech firmware that doesn't have connections and access to Logitech's servers anymore. It just serves as a HomeKit Secure video device. And so all of that stuff, the recording um, is stored in iCloud and you have as much space as you need for that. And then you can even get as granular as deciding only when I am away from the home or when everybody who's part of my home is away from the home do I want you to actually record footage? And I only want you to record footage if you detect something. Outside of that, I don't want it to record anything, but I would like uh, the ability to stream from the camera so that I can check in on my home. And then when people are actually at home, it, it turns off recording completely and only allows you to stream from the camera. So basically pop in and see uh, what the stream looks like. Yeah, I love it. Um, and I plan on, uh, if I, if I need to get more cameras for my home, they're going to be those Logitech cameras that work with HomeKit Secure Video. Sorry for that long answer. Shelly, it is your turn. Take it away from me. You are full of information today, Mike. It was awesome. <laughs> I considered getting a Ring doorbell a couple of years ago, long before Amazon acquired it and long before all the surveillance state hap stuff happened. And I'm very glad I did not because I would hate to have wasted my money. I think the extent of my interest in a security camera is a doorbell camera or maybe an outside camera, but I haven't done it yet. So clearly it's not super important to me, although HomeKit makes a big difference. I was uh, looking in preparation for this at the HomeKit compatible devices that Apple lists on its site. And it looks like a number of them are still to come. And so I could would want to wait a little while and see uh, what new devices come along. Uh, set it and forget it is kind of what I'm interested in. I like the idea of granular settings, but I also like the idea of a device that just works. And once I do set those granular settings, there are some specific things I want. I love the idea of being able to look remotely at who's at my doorbell. And um, I want to be able to record ac activities around packages and such. But I'm, and I'm not, and I know there are people who have cameras inside their house, which appalls me, but that's, you know, people's choice. As long as they can control their own data, that's great. And I have a side of my, my house that uh, I would like to have a camera perhaps. But beyond that, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not super into it, but HomeKit does make it more likely that at some point I'll, I'll add a ca couple of cameras. 
I don't have, so I do have a Canary camera in my office, um, which is off during the day, but does have that cloud recording stuff, which I don't love, but I still use it. I don't really have any interest in putting one outside. In fact, if I, you know, uh, got rid of this Canary camera book tomorrow, I don't think I'd replace it either. Um, just because I don't feel like it gives me anything that I really want or need. Um, I live in an apartment, so my changes outside are limited. I also work at home, so I am home like 90% of the time. <laughs> There's really not as much value for me. Um, so I certainly have no interest in a ring uh, based on all the problems they've had. HomeKit Secure Video technologically is more appealing, but I think in the end it comes down to for me that like this is just not a device that solves any problems I have. So at the moment, it's not something I'm really looking into. Jeff, any last thoughts here? Yeah, basically, I'm echoing both you and Shelly. Um, I also work at home, although the the setup of my house is such that I often can't hear if somebody is at the front door. So, you know, numerous times over the years, I've looked into getting like a, a video doorbell. And every time I keep running into, you know, either a privacy issue or, you know, it's some company that you've never heard of. And for something like this, you really want something that has more of a track record and definitely not the ring track record. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see HomeKit secure video finally starting to roll out into devices. And now, uh, I'm definitely going to have to go, uh, do some searching on that Logitech circle. Thank you, Micah. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't have a really good reason to have one yet, but it, it feels like it could be useful in a couple of situations. All right. Well, that is two topics down, two topics to go, which of course means it is halftime here at Clockwise today. And this week's episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Health IQ. At some point in the last couple of years, you've probably created or maintained a healthy habit, whether it's getting enough sleep or working out or just trying to eat the right foods. If you live a healthy lifestyle, you could be rewarded for your hard work with more affordable life insurance rates, and you could save up to 41%. Just take the Health IQ quiz, and then they'll walk you through the pro entire process of applying. The policy is underwritten by one of their top insurance partners, and there will be a real person at the end of the phone who you can chat to. The savings are exclusive to Health IQ, so you won't find them anywhere else, but you do have to qualify to get that special rate. Uh, personally, I spent a lot of time this year trying to sort of uh, improve my uh, exercise ability by going to the gym a lot um, because I was training for like a 5K and I got sick. It was the worst. I had to sort of like start from scratch again after uh, after I recovered. So, uh, you know, it's something I think about a lot or just trying to eat well, especially because I am at home, like I just said, and I don't leave the house as much most of the day. So I don't want to like overload and all those foods and everything. So I try to eat well. Uh, so frankly, you know, if you are somebody like me who tries to take health seriously, maybe you should take the health IQ quiz could save you a lot of money. Maybe it's good for everybody to see if you qualify, go to healthiq.com slash clockwise to take the proprietary health IQ quiz, depending on your score, as well as other related qualifying factors, you can save up to 41% on your life insurance premiums compared to other providers. Again, that's healthiq.com slash clockwise to let them know we sent you start the process with the health IQ quiz. There is no commitment. And you'll learn even more about potential opportunities to be rewarded for your commitment to living healthy. One more time, that's healthiq.com slash clockwise. Our thanks to Health IQ for their support of Clockwise and all of Relay FM. Halftime has reached its conclusion. Micah, what do you have for us today? Mm, simple question. If you were given the opportunity to own a fully autonomous vehicle, would you take that opportunity? Tell me your thoughts, your worries, your questions, etc. about autonomous vehicles. Sort of what makes you not want to do it or what has you very excited to uh, be given this opportunity. Shelly, we'll start with you. 
oh my god what time will it be here (laughs) right now so i i don't i cannot drive i have a visual impairment which makes it uh, inadvisable for you and for me that i drive uh (laughs) so i want one right now and so in in essence every time i get in a car driven by somebody else i'm having that autonomous car experience because i have no control over what's happening Let's just assume I'm with a safe driver and that, that if I want to go left when they want to go right, that, that maybe sometimes I can convince them to do it. So, so I feel like I'm more ready for the autonomous car experience than, than a lot of people might be. Uh, I think the biggest danger in autonomous cars is actually people. So if we are in a situation where all the cars are autonomous, yes, something terrible could happen and you could make a pretty good sci-fi movie out of it. But I think the greater risk is the mixed situation where you have cars that are driving themselves and people that are also trying to drive and cars that are trying to avoid the people and pedestrians that the cars don't take into account. All those things are true and all those things are bad, but I still want my autonomous car, please. Yeah, those are some good points. I So I have two, I feel very d- divided about this. From a perspective of someone who is into technology and interested in the way that we use that to advance uh, you know, humanity, I, I certainly couldn't say no to experiencing it. Um, and seeing how it works and all of that. And I think Shelly makes some great points about where the real benefits come into play. As someone who likes driving and has driven for many, many years now and owned a car, I really don't... It makes me nervous. It does. And I and I get it. I get that computers are much better than humans at a lot of these things. But I also feel like I know enough about software technology that the idea of those same kinds of algorithms and software powering <laughs> things that drive around and, you know, when our autocorrect doesn't work right and all that. I don't know. It just makes me nervous. It makes me nervous. I, I am not ready for the autonomous car future, um, but I assume I will be dragged there kicking and screaming like everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> buy an autonomous car <laughs> i'm actually uh yes uh i agree with both of you in the sense that um i would love to have an autonomous car um although i i think i would prefer to not have to own one i would prefer that there were just a lot of them that came to pick you up and take you somewhere Ooh. um i mean i think the way that it's likely or the way I would like to see it happen is to have like small areas or zones where inside that zone, everything is autonomous cars because then you have a little bit more control and you don't have that 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 unknown quantity, as Shelley was saying, of people who are driving and people who aren't paying attention and, uh, you know pedestrians who aren't paying attention all of that uh you know so if you have like like a smaller area that it's all autonomous then there's some level of control and i think better safety uh and then you know perhaps that gets larger and larger and larger as as things change just socially um i also do like driving so perhaps uh you know like um minority report where everybody has their their cars that go automatically but then you can like break out and go into the countryside like that's that would be acceptable um but again you know all the software is often done to meet shipping deadlines and get things out there and be competitive against other companies and i would just be nervous that oh well maybe they didn't entirely vet the safety of this um so yeah, it's it's kind of a mixed bag. I yes, the science fiction fan in me wants it, but if it's going to happen, it, it's not going to be you know like not tomorrow at all. It's going to be sometime you know maybe ten years. That might be optimistic. Yeah, uh, except not in my 
uh, fake reality where it's right it's coming right now um (laughs) (laughs) no all all great answers dan i do have some nerves about it too um what brought this up for me was i was having a conversation with uh with i think it was leo and lisa laporte and uh my mom and we were i think it was my mom anyway it doesn't matter we were having a conversation about how around this area and i'm sure everywhere else too you look around and you just see people distracted driving and so someone's playing the trombone when they're supposed to be driving (laughs) um leo saw someone I think it was Leo. Again, I'm sorry. But uh, the story was that they were cleaning out their hairbrush. Um, so he he, kept, he was looking, and it was Leo. He was looking forward, and he saw this woman uh, taking her hand out the window and sort of wiggling her fingers. And he thought that she was signaling that she wanted to get over. And so she kept doing it. It was sort of a disco move, and then wiggle fingers at the end. So disco into jazz fingers. And uh, he wasn't sure what was going on. He finally gets up next to her and sees that he, she had her hairbrush in her hand and was using her other hand to pull the hair out and throw it out the window while driving. Um, in my mind, a series of devices and a system that is in place that all it does, it doesn't have hair. It doesn't have a hairbrush. All it can do is focus on the road and drive. I think that's fantastic. And so I, I wish that I lived in this little world that I created for the scenario in which, uh, self-driving vehicles or autonomous vehicles are sort of fully ready to go and I can hop in one. And Jeff, I like your idea better. I don't want to own it either. I want it to just be a system that I can sort of, uh, call upon. It comes and picks me up and I go to where I need to go. And the whole time in the car, I can be doing things instead of focusing on the road. It would be great. Uh, thank you all for your answers on that and for playing with me in this space. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move to our final topic, which comes from Shelley. Perhaps I'll record the next episode of Clockwise from my autonomous car. Uh, Heck yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so it's, it's popular to ask, how are you dealing with social media? And a lot of the answers I hear are very similar. Well, I'm pulling back from Twitter, but I really love Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, and a lot of people <laughs> reconcile that. But, but my question is not, is Instagram awesome? Do you love it? But my question is, how do you use Instagram as a consumer? Are you somebody who follows, follows, follows everybody and wants to know what the celebs are up to and what influencers in your area of interest are all about? Or do you think of Instagram as a social network where you're following people that are either in your life or adjacent to your life? And the bottom line question, how many people do you follow on Instagram? This is a really good question. I'm looking right now just to just to see. So I follow uh, 146 people uh, and going through and looking at my list here, I think 100% of them are people that I have met, at, le- at least met in real life. They may not all be people that I'm like super close friends with, but they're all people that I, I actually know. I don't really follow any celebrities. Um, I, they're just not a thing that really that I go there for. It's not something I'm interested in seeing. I'm just here to sort of follow, see pictures of, uh, you know, I kind of think of it the same way a lot of people do use Facebook. It's like, ah, keep up with family and friends and just see pictures of the kids or pets or where they're visiting and stuff like that. And I like that. That's just fine. And I think that's why Instagram, despite it being owned by Facebook, 
why I don't feel as much of a need to pull back from it. I don't follow that many people. I don't follow a lot of people who post a ton. So I basically am just there to sort of drop into friends' lives and see, hey, what's going on? Like, what are you doing? What are you up to? And, you know, maybe comment on their pictures. And it's it's very low key for me in that way, in a way that Twitter isn't. I don't find myself getting into a lot of political arguments on Instagram, for example. So <laughs> so I, I feel like I've I've reconciled. I'm very happy with where I am on the Instagram front. Jeff, you're a photographer. What do you what do you think? I'm a photographer. Yeah. So uh, I follow 632 people. Checked earlier, um, and those are not people that I that I know personally. However, the ones who basically show up a lot in my feed, thanks to all the various algorithms, fortunately, uh, are people that I know. And so I use it to to just you know get that visual record of people that I know. Um, I I do follow some celebrities, but they're usually either actors or directors that I like. Um, I never ever go to whatever the page is that's like what's trending now like i i could care less what's trending now um a lot of it is also photographers and it's interesting because uh as i've run into other photographers um for example i was like in uh sacramento and at a sunflower field and there were a bunch of photographers there i chatted up a guy and basically like the first thing you sort of do like instead of business cards or what have you, or even emails now, it's it's like, well, what's your Instagram? And you you connect in that way, uh, which I think is you know a, a, a nice change. And it's also something where it, it doesn't involve a lot of uh, interaction. I don't have to reply to somebody on Twitter. And like you, uh, I typically use Instagram as a way to escape Facebook and Twitter when I, I don't want to be bombarded with, you know, a lot of the, the political or, you know, news of the day. I want to go and I want to see some pretty pictures or I want to see my friend's cat, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, so let's see. I follow 541 people. I do not know all of them. Uh, Sam, I am. And um, some of them are people that I know in, in person, for sure. And some of them are not. Uh, I, I I want to follow accounts that are... Uh, I, I follow some sort of artists, musical artists, and uh, actors, and things like that that I enjoy. Um, before I was doing podcasts and presenter type stuff. I was a graphic designer uh, and worked as a freelance graphic designer for a long time. So I do follow a lot of uh, art accounts and graphic design accounts to sort of see uh, inspirational things. Um, And then I follow some uh, sort of funny accounts. They're usually little comics. So I follow Instagram for laughs, for inspiration, and for the joy of seeing my friends um, posting photos of animals and uh, things that they do. So yeah, it's kind of a, a it, it's all sorts of things. Uh, but yeah, I don't interact outside of pushing the like button really, uh, for the most part. What about you, Shelley? Well, I guess my approach is closest to Dan. And by the way, I would follow all of you. Huh. Uh, I follow 111 people right now, entities, I should say, and I would guess about 90 or so are, as I say, people I know or adjacent to people I know, and the rest are there are media entities, a few of which I'm part of. Uh, I follow uh, the, the fun accounts, and the ones that bubble to the top 
are two or three accounts that actually feature animals, and I am not apologetic for that in any way. If Bodega Cats or Big Cat Rescue is at the top of my Instagram feed, it's a very happy day for me. And I don't interact either. That was part of the question that I didn't didn't add, but that I thought about asking, because I'm hearing lately about people messaging each other on Instagram, and it took me a while to realize, oh, that's a thing you could do. I've commented on people's Instagrams, but I almost never have like DM interaction, that kind of stuff. And and I like it as as just a pastime. I like it as a way of keeping up with friends. It's actually a, a lot less. It's a lot lower maintenance than Facebook, even where my cousins are. They're they're mostly not on Instagram. But I feel like I I don't have the obligation to comment or interact in anything like a deep way in Instagram. I can just look at things people post. The stuff I tend to post is sort of quirky and on brand for me, I guess, but I'm not trying to get more followers. I'm trying to entertain the people that followed me back when I followed them. So uh, I, I appreciate your answers, and I'm, I'm glad to know that there are others out there who are in the uh, the three-digit Instagram follower <laughs> following, following numbers. <laughs> All right, that is four topics, which means we've reached the end of our show, but we have just enough time for a bonus question. First, though, I want to tell you this week's episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Indeed. When you start your hiring process, you might have a few questions. Are you going to get good applicants to choose from? How can you narrow down by education and experience? And how will you know you've made the right hire? Indeed is there to help. There are millions of great candidates that use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help you quickly create your short list of applicants. Plus, you can add a skills test to your job post so you can be confident in your applicants' abilities. Their library of more than 50 skill tests range from industry-specific skills like accounting to general aptitude tests like critical thinking. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and the confidence that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at Indeed.com slash podcast and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. That's Indeed.com slash podcast terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. The offer is valid through March 31st, 2020. Our thanks to Indeed for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Okay, very, very quickly, what is your go-to food or beverage when you are sick? Jeff? Uh, a friend sent some of her mom's homemade brandy from Croatia. It tastes like Christmas, and it's a miracle. Otherwise, some orange cinnamon tea. Yeah, hot toddies are good, but Theraflu is better. <laughs> <laughs> Shelly? Uh, soup, for the most part, unless it's sinus-related, and then I put a little whiskey in my tea and lemon, tea and honey and nice. lemon. Yeah, tea with honey for me, but I can't resist a good ginger ale. That is, that's a go-to for me. Uh, all right. That is the end of our show. All that remains is for us to thank our guests this week. Jeff Carlson, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm glad to always be here. And Shelly Brisbane, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me back. And, Micah, we will be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.